0: While being a successful actor is enough for many a thespian, you can't blame some for wanting to diversify and expand their skill set in an industry where security is guaranteed only for the most elite in demand performers. So, you won't find all of the following actors listed in the credits of these films, but they all contributed a vital piece of the puzzle regardless, often ensuring major hit movies turned out as critically and commercially successful as they did. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com and these are 8 actors who helped movies in ways you won't believe. Number 8. Andy Serkis was the second unit director, The Hobbit Trilogy. Andy Circus is one of the most versatile actors working today, having made a name for himself as Hollywood's go-to performance capture artist playing Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies and Caesar in the Planet of the Apes franchise. But Circus has won many hats over the years, from working as a performance capture consultant on the likes of Godzilla 2014 and Avengers Age of Ultron to, most impressively, being Peter Jackson's second unit director on his Hobbit trilogy. In addition to reprising his role of Gollum, Circus spent 200 days shooting battle sequences and aerial photography while Jackson worked with the main cast, and if nothing else his direction felt completely consistent with Jackson's prevailing style. The outing evidently gave Circus the confidence to helm his own feature outright, as in 2017 he made his directorial debut with the broadly praised Robin Cavendish biopic Breathe. Number 7. Carrie Fisher was a secret script doctor. Hook, Lethal Weapon 3, The Wedding Singer, and more. Because being a star of arguably the most iconic movie franchise ever apparently wasn't enough, Carrie Fisher spent almost 15 years working as a script doctor in Hollywood between 1991 and 2005. This meant that Fisher did uncredited rewrites on scripts imminently due to go into production, ultimately lending polished to projects such as Hook, Sister Act, Lethal Weapon 3, Outbreak, Last Action Hero, The River Wild, The Wedding Singer, and even punching up the dialogue for the female characters in the Star Wars prequels, for all the good that did. Tellingly, Fisher only acted periodically during this time of her career, often in fan-serving cameos for filmmakers like Wes Craven in a Scream 3 cameo that she wrote for herself, by the way, or Kevin Smith, but nevertheless left her mark on some of the most popular and successful movies of the era. Number 6. Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz were vocal consultants for BB-8, Star Wars The Force Awakens. While you would be understood for assuming that the modulated voice of football-shaped android BB-8 in Star Wars The Force Awakens was produced entirely by a computer, well, that actually isn't true. During production, director J.J. Abrams enlisted the efforts of actor-comedians Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz to lend warmth and personality to BB-8 and make his vocalizations seem, well, a bit more human. The pair were officially employed as vocal consultants for the movie, coming in for voiceover recording sessions where they spoke dialogue scripted for BB-8, which would then be transformed into synthesized droid beeps and boops by the film's sound editing team. Though their natural voices are of course completely unrecognizable in the final film, their vocalizations serve as the foundation for the character's expressive sounds throughout the sequel trilogy. Number 5. Ali Ermi was a technical advisor before joining the cast, Full Metal Jacket. Ali Ermi gives an absolutely legendary performance in Full Metal Jacket as the foul-mouthed gunnery sergeant Hartman. A turn of such prickly authenticity, it's little surprise that Ermi himself was actually a real marine drill instructor years prior. But Ermi wasn't actually supposed to act in Kubrick's film at all, as he had initially only been hired as a mere technical consultant. He only landed the Hartman role after making a tape of himself berating some of the film's extras, which convinced Kubrick to hire Ermi in favour of fellow marine, Kim Kulcherry, who had already been promised the part and was subsequently demoted to the cameo role of the deranged helicopter gunner. As much of a raw deal as this undeniably was for the actor though, it's difficult to argue with Kubrick's decision, which most certainly was for the movie's game. Even so, it's still crazy to consider that a man of Ermi's stature and energy was originally just going to be a behind the scenes crew member. Number 4, Shane Carruth consulted on the time travel sequences, Looper. Shane Carruth is an actor and filmmaker best known for his mind-bending sci-fi films Primer and Upstream Colour, which have steered aggressively away from the big budget mainstream. So it is surprising to learn then that Carruth actually worked as a consultant on an ultra mainstream star-studded sci-fi film with a budget literally thousands of times larger than those of his two acclaimed features. As reported by director Ryan Johnson during production of his 2012 hit film Looper, Carruth present on set and helped prep some of the film's planned time travel based visual effects sequences, as well as giving Johnson some notes on the script. Sadly, his effects sequences were ultimately deemed too expensive to shoot, and so Carruth's active input was only on the script, despite working extensively with Johnson during the post-production process. Still, it's fascinating that such a supporter of lo-fi filmmaking was able to play in the studio sandbox at least for a while. Number 3 Buster Keaton was a gag consultant on countless movies. Buster Keaton is one of the most iconic filmmakers who has ever lived, remembered best for his incredible run of films in the 1920s, such as Sherlock Jr., The General, Steamboat Bill Jr., and The Cameraman, which embraced his penchant for physical comedy and daring dangerous in-camera stunts. Keaton's career declined in the 1930s, though, amid poor business decisions and personal wars, and he spent much of the late 30s and 40s working as a gag consultant, lending his skills to other productions in need of a comedic punch-up. Keaton then contributed gags to the Marksburg. 1939 at the Circus, causing considerable friction between Keaton and the brothers, showed up on the set of 1944's musical Bathing Beauty to help write a resolution to one of the major set pieces, contributed enough gags to 1949's In the Good Old Summertime that the director also cast him in a role in the movie, and worked on baseball gags for the 1949 Frank Sinatra Gene Kelly musical Take Me Out to the Ball Game*. It may have been low profile work for a man of Keaton's talents, especially as he was reportedly paid scale for some of these jobs, but his creativity ensured that these projects were all immediately elevated by his involvement. Number 2, Amy Adams' red lines with all the potential Batman actors, Batman Begins. Though Amy Adams is of course part of the DC Extended Universe these days as Lois Lane, back in 2004 she played a pivotal yet largely unassuming role in defining the future of superhero cinema. That's because when Christopher Nolan was auditioning actors to play Bruce Wayne slash Batman for Batman Begins, Adams was acquaintances with the film's casting director John Papsidera, who asked her to come in and read lines with the prospects for the movie. This included both Killian Murphy and eventual Batman actor Christian Bale, with behind-the-scenes footage from the film's home video release, even showing Adams reading opposite Bale. According to Amy Adams, she was so moved by Bale's visceral commitment to the material that she ended up crying mid-scene, much to Nolan's surprise. While some have lamented the fact that Adams herself wasn't cast as Rachel Dawes, it is important to remember that Adams wasn't ever actually in contention. She simply did this job as a favour for Papsidera. In turn though, she did help shape one of the most successful superhero franchises of all time, and in a small way ushered in an era of gritty blockbuster movies. Number one, Ethan Sipley was on call as the cocaine butt specialist, the Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street is best known for being three hours of debauchery put to screen. The story of these Wall Street swindlers and all of their excesses was both scathing and uncomfortably hilarious, yet few images from the flick are more iconic than Leonardo DiCaprio's Jordan Belfort blowing cocaine up a sex worker's backside. Now, while you might have thought that this was just a quick throwaway scene that was easily filmed, it actually proved to be a little bit tough to get right for veteran director Martin Scorsese, who needed to call in backup. That helped came in the form of My Name is Earl's Ethan Suplee, who already had a small role in the flick. Though he'd been sober for 10 years by that point, Suplee's prior history of wild drug use was known on set, and thus he was deemed the only expert who could help the production out in this specific way. As he put it on the Inside of You podcast, which is a fitting name for the story to be honest, the humorous story went a little bit like this, quote, The only funny, weird story was we were filming two different things and me and the rest of the guys, the brokers, were kind of off on a break. And then I got a call like, you are needed on that closed set. Like, nobody's allowed on that set. And I was like, I'm needed, what am I needed for? And they were like, you just gotta go in there. And I went in and somebody was like, we can't figure out how to do cocaine up an asshole. We heard you could help us with this. And I was like, I'll do my best, end quote.